when you are just thinking about starting a training business. There are a number of things that could come to your mind and distract you from making the first step. Possible failure, fear of uncertainty, lack of resources, million other reasons your minds are ready to suggest and inflate their value in everyday's life. Today I talk with Lizette Sutherland about the obstacles she experienced at the beginning of Collaboration Superpowers, a global training brand helping people work remotely in the most effective way. Lizette will share what barriers she bumped on her road to success and how she overcame them. I'd like to thank our listener, Jane Card, for her question on LinkedIn, which led to this interesting discussion. Welcome to the Training Business Anatomy podcast. Here, we try to answer one not-so-simple question – how to build and scale a successful training business. I'm your host, Sergey Kotlov, and we are ready to jazz. Hey, Lizette. Nice to, to have you on the podcast. Hey, Sergey. Always good to talk to you. So, before we begin, this episode will be different to the previous ones. Uh, we are going to discuss a very important topic – our listener, Jane Card, asked this question on LinkedIn. What did you see as your biggest barrier in the beginning and how did you overcome it? It resonates a lot with me. Uh, while I didn't experience any blocker barrier initially, I bumped into plenty of them afterwards. Any business owner meets several obstacles on their paths and training business is not an exception. So tell me please that. Did you experience any significant barrier as a training business owner at the beginning of your journey? No, it was totally smooth sailing. Like everything <laughs> just went as planned. Like, <laughs> lucky yeah, right. you, lucky you. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, there was a whole bunch of barriers. And actually, so I wrote down a big list as I was thinking about how to prepare for our, ta- our conversation today. And um, the two things that came to mind immediately when I first thought of the barriers, like this is the barriers to building a training company. Um, And one is I should say, I never set out to build a training company. Like for me, actually, what was uh, the very beginning of my journey started with just uh, being able to survive while working remotely. I just was looking for ways that I could make enough money so that I could work from home because I didn't want to work in an office. Like I knew I hated it. I knew I wanted to work from home. I just had to figure out how. So, you know, it was in the very beginning, it was just like survival. And that was what was driving okay. everything. And that lasted for a long time. Uh, and then at one point, uh, the next barrier that I thought of was focus. Because I could be all over the place. Like what aspect of remote working would I focus on? You know, was it digital nomads? Was it, um, you know, teams working together? Was it people who were just starting out? Is it you know, in the very beginning, I wasn't really sure what to what to do. And so the first barrier was that I was seeing opportunities everywhere and I needed to focus on one particular thing. And I actually learned that from the podcast Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, I was listening to that podcast over and over again. And the number one tip that everybody kept giving was uh, just focus on one thing. Just do that thing and do it really well. Uh, yeah. But the, the, the challenging thing is to is to find the focus. So if you look back at my social media, it's all very intentional. I only, only talk about remote working. And I don't talk about the digital nomads or the co-living or the co-working. Like that stuff's come up every once in a while. But I'm focused on teams who are working distributed. And that's the only thing. So there's no 
there's no anything else in my stuff. So that I did that deliberately so that when people thought about remote work, they thought about me because that's all I ever talked about. So there was, that was the, the, once I had the focus, it was easy to figure out what to do with it, of course. So then, you know, I just did that one thing, but the first, the first barrier was figuring it out. Like, what would the focus be? You know, that's that you don't always know. You don't always know what, what it's going to be. So that was the first barrier. Yeah, I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Yeah, it's a lot. And uh, you're like Yvonne because you listen to that podcast and you figure that out and uh, concentrated on that because with my business, I spent a lot, basically, I would say a lot of time uh, figuring out about the focus because I knew from the very beginning that we needed a focus but I kept doing things all over the place. And even right now, we are doing a lot of things all over the place and we are in a transformation phase right now when we uh, decided to uh, considerably um, uh, decrease uh, their, um, uh, the market niche. So we chose much narrow market niche right now. We are repositioning the program for that market niche and this is, we believe, there our focus uh, should be. And I hope, hope <laughs> that it actually brings us uh, really good results. So, yeah, I, it resonates a lot with me. Well, yeah, and even this year, you know, now things, I have sort of a, a machine that's up and running at this point. So this is very different than the survival days. Uh, yeah. But even now in this year with my, I have a business coach that I've been working with for years now. You and I both know him. It's Vasco Duarte. And uh, man, I, I cannot imagine not working with him. But even this year, we have changed the focus of my company right now for the third time. Like it started mm -hmm. with one thing, it moved to something else as we were looking at the data. And then we're, you know, so one thing that Vasco always told me, which I think is good advice is uh, feel all you want have ideas all you want, but go back and look at the spreadsheet. And what, what does the data tell you? Like, mm -hmm. you know, cause I, I, I'm like, I'm an ideas person. So for me, it's always like, oh yeah, let's try this. Oh, we could try this. Oh, we could also do this. And all of a sudden you're doing 800 different things yeah. and uh, ideas are great, but you can't do everything. So go back, look at the spreadsheet and focus, like really focus. And if you're going in the wrong direction, you can always redirect. So mm -hmm. that, you know, that's what I did this year. I saw like, oh, I focused on this. I don't know if that's the right direction. I don't think it is. Data saying something else. Let's go here. That's, I think, part of being a business owner is just being able to follow that data and and switching, switching focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So focus, focus is a big thing for you. And uh, luckily, uh, you made, uh, you made a, I guess, right choice in the beginning. Uh, focusing on uh, on remote work and uh, doing a lot of uh, things into this direction, so people uh, became associate remote work with you, with your name. But obviously, on this part, uh, you did also met some obstacle, uh, meet some obstacles. Is it correct? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So, for instance. Um... Uh, I developed the Work Together Anywhere workshop, and mm -hmm. then the next obstacle was I needed a way to scale because I could not deliver the number of workshops that were being requested by people. So I needed to be able to give them out to, to other people. And that's actually where Workshop Butler came in, was mm -hmm. 
I needed a way to scale my company, but I didn't want to have employees. That was the thing. I didn't want to have people that I was responsible for. Um, so the best way to do that was to get facilitators. And I copied Jurgen Apollo's business model from Management 3.0. I copied it with permission so that everybody knows. Um, I copied the business model where people pay an annual license fee and then they get access to all the materials and the guides and the marketing stuff that, that is needed to sell and give and facilitate workshops. So, okay. and then that was all. And because I needed to scale, I needed a tool for that. So the, the barrier was I needed to scale. And I didn't know how mm -hmm. to, do, I needed to scale without employees and I needed a way to do that. And Workshop Butler sort of allowed me to scale it. So I, it's not, I'm not trying to do a deliberate plug for Workshop Butler, but I did need to find a way that, uh, you know, to accommodate all of these new facilitators who were giving my workshop. Okay. And uh, one of the interesting questions I have in mind, so before it also it also relates to to the uh, the first barrier you had right how how long did it take you to realize that you had this barrier and how long did it take you uh after the realization came make some actions oh man so in the beginning i i was getting some interest I didn't have a lot of facilitators, but the facilitators I, I had uh, gave me hope that that I had a that I had a business that could succeed. Like there were companies out there, and I'll I'll name specifically Knowit in Sweden. They're a technology company, and they were one of the early adopters and early believers. And because I saw that they understood what I was trying to do, and they were really enthusiastic about what was going on it gave me more confidence to continue. So in the beginning, I didn't have a lot of facilitators. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and actually for years, I didn't have a lot of facilitators. I think I had 12 facilitators for five years. And mm -hmm. then the pandemic hit, right? And then within a year, yeah, I mean, yeah, for some people like myself, the pandemic had a good effect on our business. But still, I must say, like, as good, as good financially as, what, as it was, It was also very stressful in terms of managing sure. all the stuff that was happening at the time. Like we're trying to help as many people as possible. Everybody needed help. You know, it was just like, man. Um, so when the pandemic hit, we went from 12 facilitators to 70 facilitators within months. So one thing that I would say that was very lucky is that we had the infrastructure in place already with those 12 facilitators. So it was good. We had practice. We had our workflows. Everything was in place so that when those 70 facilitators came, we were ready. Mm -hmm. You were ready. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it was just like, okay, this is the moment. Like, let's, you know, I asked my, my colleague Mariah if she had more hours that she could help me. And she, she did. And then I brought in my, uh, my former colleague at Management 3.0 to Hira to help me with the finances and She had availability. So like all of a sudden I had a team, 70 facilitators, and we were up and running. So I would say like, you know, having those systems in place, even though we didn't have a lot of facilitators at first, like getting those systems in place, that was key. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, this is interesting point. So that many companies uh, want to, I mean, many startup companies for sure uh, want to get uh, in, into this point when they have this really, really high growth and they actually uh, can deal with it. 
Yeah, but I had a totally different goal than a startup company. Like my only goal was to make enough money to support myself. Like I wasn't, I was not like being driven by, I need to have as many facilitators as possible. I, for me, it was like, can I pay rent? And mm -hmm. can I, you know, can I do, you know, so for me in the beginning, there was no greater goal of a company. It was simply, um, I could see that there was potential here. And I knew I was on the right path in terms of remote working. I mean, what COVID did was just accelerate what we were already doing for years and already talking about for years. It just made it so that it was a global necessity. So remote working would have, we would have gotten here eventually. It probably would have taken another five or 10 years, I'm guessing. But mm -hmm. uh, this way of working would have happened eventually. Just COVID just made it super fast. So I, yeah. And, you know, you can say in some ways we were lucky on the other, in the other ways, it was just something I believed in so strongly that I was going to do it no matter what, mm -hmm. like even, you know, even if nobody else cared. Yeah. But this is, this is a very important point. You, you decided for yourself that you were going to do it no matter what, even while you, uh, you were short of money and pretty much the easiest way here is to go find uh, a place to work, right? And not to follow your passion, not to follow, uh, not to go into this uh, quite dangerous journey of being an entrepreneur, right? Oh, yeah. Well, see, I've done that before uh, I started this. I, I had a time where actually I tried something and I didn't have enough money and it totally failed. And when it failed, I had no money left. Like really, I was... I couldn't have bought a lemonade walking down the street kind of mm -hmm. thing. Like I had no money left and I decided in that moment that that was never going to happen again. And so, uh, uh, you know, so, so the survival part was, uh, was very key just to make sure that I had enough, you know, like that, I, yeah. that I was enough money. Anyway, yeah. I had yeah. Enough money there. Okay. And, uh, so for, for the very beginning, this is kind of question that I ask our previous, um, our previous guest, but this is really interesting uh, path we are following right now, and I can't uh, can't skip them. So in the very beginning, you have very very strict uh, focus goal uh, for your business to bring you enough money to make you uh, uh, independent, uh, right? So how to it's yeah so, yeah independent or like independent, so that, yeah right. yeah. And uh, allow you to work from home because you didn't want to uh, go to office. But as as the business grows and uh, you hopefully have enough money right now in your bank account, do you still have, what what? How do you do define success right now for your business? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because in the beginning, success was survival. That was success. Like if I had enough money to pay all the bills, that was great. Now success is still that I have enough, but now my, my definition of enough is different. Like I have a savings account and like, you know, like a whole like oxygen tanks in place kind of thing. Um, so that, mm -hmm. that's important, uh, that I, and I have, uh, I've worked with my coach to develop a roadmap for when the savings dips below a certain amount, what are the actions that I'm going to take to, you know, to make myself feel calm. Cause I have a lot of anxiety about that stuff. Uh, after, mm -hmm. you know, after, when you're in survival mode for a long time, you get a lot of anxiety about this stuff. Yeah. But now what the goal has switched to is I want to feel relaxed and playful. That is the goal. Like I have enough money and that I also feel 
relaxed and playful. So I do have business goals like number of facilitators that I want to have or selling presentations and workshops. I do have actual business goals in place. So, Mm -hmm. but I've always had business goals all along the way, you know, like I had to sell a certain number of workshops in order to make enough money so that there was always that business goal in place and that hasn't changed. And so everything that I work towards uh, is very focused on those specific business goals. But in terms of like overall goals for myself, the only one is feeling relaxed and playful so that at the end of the day, I can be like that rocked, like That's really a goal. And I think that comes from just having worked so hard for so long. At Mm -hmm. some point you start to realize like working really hard is great, but like working really hard for 10 years in a row without taking enough breaks is not that great. (laughs) Right. Like, and as entrepreneurs, when you love your work, like I love my work that uh, it's there, it's difficult to find the balance. And I think that that's probably maybe the biggest barrier for me as an entrepreneur is finding the balance between how much work is enough work Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. When do you take enough breaks? (laughs) Yeah. How do you make it sustainable? Right? Like how do you make make it sustainable? That's correct. That's correct. So you, that you still enjoy uh, the business part, right? And at the same time, um, hmm, uh, have enough rest. Now that's, 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 that's for sure. Uh, then uh, talking uh, going back to the barriers, right? So we we talk about the barriers that you experienced uh, in the very beginning. It was focus uh, when we uh, when we talked about scaling and the infrastructure in place. And fast forward to this day, uh, to these days. So what is your biggest barrier right now? Do we know it? Uh... I uh, I think I know it, and it's actually been one of the barriers that's also existed since the beginning. And mm-hmm. it might just be specific to remote work. I'm not sure, but one of the biggest barriers that I have is that people don't know how much pain they're in, and how much better it could be. So it's hard to sell a workshop or a training mm-hmm. to somebody who doesn't understand that they're sitting on needles. And that they could actually sit on a pillow instead. Like they, you know, they, a lot of us with remote working, we're hobbling along and we're making it work, but we don't know that it could be really comfortable and pleasant and that we could design our lifestyles and our team doesn't have to be tied to the inbox all day long. We don't have to be in endless Zoom meetings. We don't have to work like that. There are other ways out there to work. So, um, so it's difficult to sell a training to people who don't know how much pain they're in. So, so that I, that's the same, yeah. Basically, that's the same pain that almost any company have that provides services because how to describe that there is, that you're actually in pain <laughs> before people before uh, people start think uh, feeling this pain really 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 bad. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you're growing up and you're sleeping on a futon, an old futon and, uh, you know, you're just sleeping there because that's where you always slept. And then all of a sudden you try one of those all foam memory foam beds. Right. And you're just like, oh, my God, I didn't know it could be like this. Like that's that's the big thing. And I think you're right. Every company, that's sort of the main core of any business. 
And the only answer to that that I have found is um, one to show value, to always be speaking in the language, like Zig Ziglar as a salesperson, he always says you have to show, you have to listen to WIIFM radio, which is what's in it for me radio. Like you Mm -hmm. always have to be like, it's not join my webinar, it's come and get the best tips for online meetings, right? Like nobody cares about your webinar. They want the best tips for online meetings. So you're always, so in any business that you're running, you always have to speak in, in WIIFM radio language always. And I think it's, it's, I mean, I still struggle with it to this day is like, you know, what are you going to get when you come to this workshop? What do you, what is going to be different? That's the key thing. Yeah, uh, painting the picture uh, uh, to people that what they will get, right? So how, not what they'll get, but how their future will be after uh, after they uh, complete the workshop. This is the same problem that we have as well, uh, because uh, transforming and... uh, managing and administration of the business is what we concentrate at. Uh, it's a multi-sided, a multi-sided problem. And uh, we need to paint the picture of what, uh, how the lives will become easier. Yeah. It's uh, like, get rid of all the manual labor. Like, wait, that's what you guys do. You guys automate the process, right? So you've got to just get, you know, your message yeah. is like, don't do it manually. Like if I had to do this manually, really in the beginning with 12 facilitators, I could have done it all manually. I could have, and you know, I could have put everybody's stuff in, like it would have been work, but, but with 70 facilitators, not possible. It's not possible. I couldn't have scaled without, you know, so for any business, you're going to have this same scenario, different tool, but same scenario. And so you're going to have to figure out what can you automate because when the time comes to scale, it's not going to necessarily be gradual. It's going to, it could also be a pandemic, you know, where it just scales in a month. Yeah, and then yeah. you're going to want to have your systems in place. Yeah, like your case. Yeah, like your case. I was like, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and I worked my butt off and I worked my butt off for 10 years. That didn't yeah, hurt and either. you worked your butt off. Yes, because uh, <laughs> it's, 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 not your, it's not like you're lucky, but you've been working really, really hard. And you put yourself into the place, so when the opportunity arised, you were there. So you made yourself lucky to that point because if you did not be at work before that. Well, you know, I, it's funny you say that because I actually, I specifically worked on that specifically because I've, I don't know, many people don't know this, but I'm an addict for rockumentaries, which are documentaries about rock bands. I've seen hundreds. I've like seen mm-hmm. all the bands I know. I've seen, I know all the stories. They're all the same, basically. But in all the stories, it's like the band, you know, they always have the story of like, there's a, there's an opening band, they're backstage because they've just got to be there. They're at a festival. The top band can't play for some reason. And they're just there and they get asked to play and they rock it, you know? And like, yeah. All always that story came to mind. Like you gotta like you gotta be in the right place, right time. Like that's luck. But there you gotta yeah. be ready to play when that time comes. So sure. you don't know when it's gonna be. So I don't know. I always I always thought about that. So I've I've taken that particularly to heart in my own business. And for like, I got lucky. Well, lucky. I I can't say that I got a pandemic is lucky, but uh 
yeah. Yeah, we are talking about they are talking about right moment and how you how you grab it. Yeah. And in the, in your case, um, this is also this is also really really good forecasting. So you believed and uh, you believe that remote work is a future of work, and you started investing in it uh, much uh, much earlier than many people um, around you. This is why you you both are expert when it uh, it came. Yeah, but so you no believe in that much earlier. Yeah, there's no way to know if you're going to be an early adopter or not. That's why you have to find something that you really genuinely like, or you'll never work hard on it. I mean, I I only worked this hard because I was obsessed with working this way. Mm-hmm. 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 So. Yeah, you gotta be well, you gotta be a little obsessed with your idea, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure because it's otherwise it's uh, it's it's really difficult. It's yeah. especially when uh, so many opportunities uh, start coming your way, and you think, okay, should I go here? Should I go there? And maybe maybe this is not the right direction. And there, um, I feel you. I feel you. I'm on. In uh, I've been to uh, to this place and it is is hard sometimes. Then you see okay, so there is no growth, there is no progress uh, for a long time, and you still okay. So how how should I keep going? Why should I keep going? Yeah, yeah. And if you can't figure out the why, then you're doomed. Then you're doomed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. Otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. Well. Uh, I think uh, I think this is was this was really good episode, Lizette. So we dig uh, deep, uh, dive deep uh, into into the barriers. So how how you progressed them and how you overcame them, and this is fantastic that you no matter what you see the biggest barrier that you have right now, and you f- uh, keep thinking how you can overcome it because. Uh, this is the future for collaboration with others. For all companies. For right? all companies. For all companies. Yeah. For all companies. Yeah. So this was a fantastic talk. Thank you very much. And I hope uh, to see you again in the future to talk about other very diff- interesting topics. Anytime. Anytime. Okay. Thank you, Lizette. Thank you very much for staying with us to the end. Lizette shared some valuable insights on the importance of focus and the value of having a business coach. If you like the episode, please rate us on the platform of your choice. It's very important and motivating for my team and me. If you have a question to talk about on the show or have an interesting speaker, just drop us a line at hi at trainingbusinessanatomy.com. One more time. Hi, HI at trainingbusinessanatomy.com. We are very open to any feedback and I will reply to you personally. That was your host, Sergey Kotlov. Stay tuned.